Well, again, good morning. I'm glad and thankful that you are here today. And so um, my name is uh, Israel Martinez, and I have the privilege of serving here as uh, uh, your lead pastor. And I just want you guys to know, man, God loves you. Even though everything that's going on in your life, in the world, God, he loves you. Like we saying, if you know that. And um, he is holy. And so uh, uh, we too as a church love you. We are here for you, to serve you, to encourage you. And so if you're a guest today, I also hope you feel dearly welcomed, um, that, you, uh, sh- that we can show you Christ's love and how we connect with you and encourage you and get to know a little bit about you. And so we actually have a, a, a class today, first step, it's going to be in that first room. We'll have some bagels, we'll have a little gift for you, and we just encourage you to come to learn a little bit more about us, and we'd love to learn a little bit more about you. And so if you could also fill out a connect card, that helps us connect with you and get your information so we can connect with you. And so uh, with that, um, I want us to think about, again, we're going to be in John 8, 31 through 47, so that's our main text. And I want us to think about freedom. We, we sang about it. Um, uh, if you paid attention, some of the songs, even the first one has this line in it about freedom. Um, and so, but, but what is freedom, right? What is actual freedom? What does it mean to be free? You see, as human beings, we want freedom. It's natural. We want to do what we want to do. Uh, We will use our ideologies and religions and sin to make up our own truth so that we can feel or think that we are free. But the issue is um, that this freedom that our culture and even that countries crave, and we're seeing this, um, there's nothing necessarily wrong, but it can become an illusion and often is. You see, there are wars, right, literally going on right now in Ukraine and in Israel as people groups are fighting for their land, that they're fighting for this freedom. They say, this is mine. This is yours. No. They want and crave freedom. And I would challenge you that you, as an American, you have so many uh, doctrinal things and ideologies in you of what freedom actually is. And so us as Americans, again, we've been very influenced by this Greco-Roman thought that has also come about from these European philosophies that have been present in our um, in our uh, history and in our culture. And they have taught us that human freedom and choice and will, that this is the ultimate virtue. This is really big in Latin America too, even bigger than America. And we have fallen for it. You see, freedom can be good. Nobody wants, to, we're going we're to sing a little later about um, that we're no longer slaves. Nobody wants to be a slave. But if we have the wrong definition of freedom, then we miss the point. And we can waste our whole lives chasing a dream of freedom that that was actually a form of slavery. And you see, in the text today, we will learn that the truth will set you free. Jesus will say this. And said in a more complete way, we will learn that believers, if you're really a son of God, like we're saying, if you are a believer, that you are to abide in God's word as true disciples, to know and be set free in the truth, but that unbelievers are slaves to sin as they reject the word of God. And so let's read in our text. And again, if you would, um, we're just going to look at the first few verses together because it's a little long, longer text. And I want us, this idea to set in, this main idea. Look at John 8, 31 through 32. 
So if you turn with me in your Bible, if you have a Bible, keep it uh, on or open and keep your eyes uh, looking at the text. And so um, this will help us understand the, 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 the main points that come from the sermon today. And so, again, John 8, 31 through 32. Let's let this sink in. Holy Spirit, allow your word to um, uh, come true to us and illuminate us now as we come look at your word. John 8, 31 says, And so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Again, in our text today, we will learn what we just read, that the truth will set you free. And said in a more complete way, as we walk through the text, we're going to learn that believers are to abide in God's word as true disciples, to know and be set free in the truth. But unbelievers are slaves to sin as they reject the word of God. So we're going to move through those four um, points today. And so our first point today is clear, that believers are to abide or live in God's word as true disciples. Like this is what starts it. So look at, at verse 831 with me again, and it says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. If you remember um, a few weeks ago, uh, I mean last week, the text in, in the verse right above, if you even look up with your eyes um, in, in 830, it says that as he was saying these things, Jesus was saying he was the light of the world. He was saying he was God. It said that, that many um, believed in him. And then he comes back and it says, so Jesus said to those Jews, those people who had believed in him. This is what Jesus tells us to do. He says in Mark, his gospel starts. He says, repent and believe. Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he challenges now his people, the Jews. It says who had believed him. So they had this form of like, yes, I, 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 be, I believe, man, you're saying some cool, awesome things I'm in. But then he says, if, so he said to the Jews who had believed, if, there's this clause, right? It's conditional in a sense. So if you really believe me, if you're really saved, if you really know Christ, you abide or live. This is Jesus' famous word that he uses in John 15. In John, on, he uses it, starts building the case of using this word. You see it in John 6. We see it here. If you live, we, we in old English say, my humble abode, right? Abode is the, the noun for what it means to abide. What's an abode? It's, it's a house. It's a place. It's a home, right? So your humble abode or your abiding should be that Jesus is your home. Jesus is where you find rest. It's not just cliche Christianity. Like these things don't make sense because they're supernatural things. In the flesh, they don't make sense. How, how, how do I live in Jesus? How does Jesus live in me? But it's what Jesus said. If you abide in my what? Here's the foundation. Not in your version of Jesus. Not in your version of freedom. If you abide in my word. And this, this word is the word for logos. In Spanish, we say the verb. It's that John starts his gospel. In the beginning was the word or the verb, in the beginning was this logos. And so he's saying, he's pointing, the whole start point of John is that Jesus is this logos, that we should abide or live in his word because his word represents who he is, who the Father is, and who the triune God through the Holy Spirit is. And he says, if you do that, guys, if you learn how to do this, this is the secret sauce of Christianity. You are truly my disciples. You're my babies. You're my learners. You're my children. So remember again, he had just said that these people believed, or the text says, John says this, um, but we're going to see their true hearts in a bit as we keep studying the text. So look with me 
um, again, um, at, at, we're going to look at our second point, but remember our first point um, is that, that believers are to abide in God's word as true disciples. And so we see again that we're going to see the true, the, their true hearts um, as we study the text. Why? Because you're going to see a contrast in them because like our first point says, believers are to abide in God's word as true disciples. So the question to them, the question to us is, how are you abiding? How are you abiding in God's word? Do you, have you even been walking, um, you know, in Christ enough to really understand even what that weird abiding in the word? A lot of times there's these churchy words, but we don't dig enough to know what the words mean. They're not confusing. Are you living in God's word, Right? We're going to talk more about this in a second and, and identify what the word is. So let's look at our second point today. And we're going to, we're going to first and second point come fast. We're going to really spend some time on the, the last two points. Um, but it says we see that at our second point today that believers are to know and be set free in the truth. And I, I usually take my notes straight from the text. So it's helping us see how you walk through a text, the, 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 how you can take this and go study it on your own. But believers are to know in their hearts, not just in their heads, but in their hearts, and be set free in the truth. Again, another one of those churchy phrases that's used all the time, but do we really know what it means to be free in Christ? So these first two points, again, are going to move quickly as our third and fourth point will bring more clarity on how to apply or execute our first two points. So look at the text with me in verse 32 again. And, and Jesus says this. He says, and you will know the truth. Like if you are my disciples, if you're abiding in my word, if you are my babies, you will know the truth. You don't have to guess. You don't have to be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about doing this thing or that thing. Like I'm not saying there's not going to be some things that are gray, okay? But as you pursue God, he will give you clarity. And the spirit will say, you know you're not supposed to do that. You know who I am. You know what my law demands or commands of you. Stop playing games. You will know the truth. But more than that, we're going to see who the truth is. It's not just a thing. It's a person. And the truth, not just this ideology. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Hmm. Sounds like Jesus. Jesus will set you free. Look. So, again, as our second point teaches, believers are to know and be set free in the truth. So how do you know and live set free in the truth? That's the question, right? Well, duh, that's the churchy thing. I'm supposed to be set free in Jesus, and I'm supposed to know, know Jesus. I know, I know. I'm supposed to abide in him, but what does that look like? I think we can learn by learning what non-believers do, and that's what the text in Jesus and John are doing here. So, again, as our third and, point, third and fourth point are going to help us understand what it means to apply and live out, and I'm saying this word on purpose, to execute, to do the first points we learn. Because just because you're free in Christ, it doesn't mean you just sit on your thumbs and do, 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 and do nothing. Well, I'm free in Jesus. He, the Holy Spirit controls me. Um, I'm chosen, so I don't do anything. I just, God does it through me, man. You know, that's, that's not what God's called us to do, right? We are called to do something, to, to pro, be proactive in our discipleship, to move, to do, to execute. Now, those things don't save you, okay? But they're proof that you're actually saved, Right? If I'm married, I'm like, yeah, I'm married. I love my wife. And I never spend time with her. I never do anything with her. I'm like, and when I see her, I, <laughs> I'm out of here. If, if, if I'm, my actions don't prove my love, then I'm a liar. We're going to see about some liars in the text today. So 
Again, we saw firstly that believers, our first point, are to abide in God's word. This is super important as true disciples. And our second point says that believers, if you really know Christ, you are to know and be set free in the truth. So now, to better understand point one and two, we must understand our third point today, that unbelievers are slaves to sin. We're going to sing the opposite of this later. We're not, we're not slaves to sin. Okay? So look at with me in the text in verses 33 through 35. They answered him. Now, Jesus is saying, hey, you've you got to be set free. You've got to know me. And they answered him. But we're offspring of Abraham, and, and, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you or, or one, well, a person, will become free? Come on. They, they, they don't know their own history. They're thinking in the present, right? They're forgetting what God did because the, the, uh, we know. Anybody ever seen, uh, uh, you know, what's the story? Uh, prince of Egypt or whatever. You saw, we saw that as kids. Even non-believers saw that as kids, right? Well, who were the Israelites? They were enslaved. And honestly, historically, they've always been conquered by someone. If it wasn't the Egyptians, then it would be years of them having their kingdom and be like, yay, we're free, right? And then what happened? Here came the Greeks. Here came the Romans. Here came the Persians. Here came the Syrians. And then the, uh, the, the Persians. And then came the Ottoman Empire, if you ever, or the, I'm sorry, the Roman Empire, right? And then all the way till like 1500, this thing called the Ottoman Empire is what eventually would form most of the Middle East today. When Islam took over the Middle East, it wasn't always that way. Christianity used to rule in the land back in the day in Turkey. Turkey is the father of the Ottoman Empire. So from 15, a little history lesson, from 1500, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, from 1500 to 1914, World War I, boom, the Ottoman Empire lost its strength. And all those countries became their own countries, like Saudi Arabia. And that started happening. And, and then even after World War II, then Israel got their land. So they, they kind of didn't know their history, right? Because <laughs> they were taken over a lot. So there's some arrogance here. There's like, come on, I'm free. We can do that too, right? I'm American. I've always been free. I, I deserve my rights. When there's people in the world right now. They don't share the same freedom that we share, physical freedom, some of the things we can do. So I would encourage you to think and consider what is freedom because we have to understand this third point. And you're like, duh, unbelievers are slaves to sin. You might be like, duh, but let's look at this a little bit. Again, they, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. We're physically children of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. I don't think they understand their history. How is it that you say that one or you will become free? Like, what do you mean? We're already free. Look at verse 34. A lot of us think that as Americans, right? I'm free. Like, oh, man, poor other countries. Oh, man, poor Israel or poor um, Russia and Ukrainians and poor these people that are free. I would challenge you to think that sometimes when you're in a political system of, of, of oppression and persecution, you really find freedom in Christ. And sometimes Satan, I'm not saying our system is bad. I love America. I'm a veteran. I'm yes, sir. You know, I'm, I'm all the things. I get it. My dad was a veteran. I, I love military culture. I, I love our country. But I think it's put us, Satan can use that to put you in a, a pseudo sense of false security, like you're free, guys. You're free. And he tricks us with riches, with, 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 with food, with money, with uh, um, amusement, all the things, all the trappings that we have. And Jesus answered them in verse 34. He says, truly, truly. He's like, pay attention. I say to you, everyone, this is challenging, who practices sin. We're going to talk about that. This premeditated act of sinning, okay, is a slave to sin. 
And then he says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. He says, the slave, they work in the house and they may do things, but a slave is going to have to go to their slave barracks or home, right? But a true son of God, like you get to be in the house. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is a famous Christian phrase. If you are really freed by Christ, and this is a challenge, like, man, what things are binding in your life? What are you not free in? doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect, okay? But are you practicing sin? Do you go home and practice sin? Do you leave this place and leave churches and leave the presence of believers and practice sin? We are all sinners and sinful, but premeditated sin or practicing sin is different, okay? It means you practice, you set up sin to enjoy it purposely, we all uh, uh, sin, right? Because it's our sin nature. We react in sin, right? I, I'm, I'm a reactor. God made me that way. <laughs> Someone's punched me in the face. I'm a, I'm a pastor, but I'll punch them back probably. If they'd hit me in the face, my instinct is to fight back. That's my instinct, okay? Some people, instinct is to run. My instinct is to fight back, usually, okay? But I need the spirit to restrain me. If someone's to say something mean or in traffic, they cut me off. My instinct is to be like, hey, justice. Like, I was right. You were wrong, Right? American in me, right? I don't know. So you guys may be different. A lot, of, Even the nicest American people, when you get them on the road, you see your American card come out real fast. Hey, man, you cut me off. You ever go to Latin America or India or any other country? People are just like, wah, 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 beep, 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 beep. They're honking their horn. Everybody's like, okay, thank you. Bye. No one's mad. But Amer- we get mad, right? When that person cuts us off or that person, I, couldn't, I can't believe they would do that, Susie, right? That's just our Americanness, okay? That's okay. I'm, I'm right there with you. I get it. That's reacting to sin, right? Your boss says something, you're like, and you're, you're like, man, you say something you shouldn't say, right? Anybody been there, right? Or that, that family member says that thing and you react. That's not, we're going to do that. You will never conquer that, okay? What you need to do is when that happens, you repent. You repent and believe. But practicing sin is something else. It's, you know, we were acting sin. You may see something and linger too long, Right? Uh, someone may, again, say something rude, and you may, you may open your mouth and snap back with a rude, sinful comment, and you're like, oops, my bad. But to practice sin, on the other hand, means you have an appointment with sin, and you have that appointment set on your calendar, and you love it, and you lust over it. So are you a slave to sin? What in your life, is there anything in you that is practicing sin? I would encourage you to man, repent right now. And what people around you that you roll with or that are in your life, do you know who are slaves to sin? Maybe they're bringing you down. God does not want us, y'all, to live as slaves. God allowed slavery to happen for a reason, so we would know how bad it is, so we would know how binding it is. But God does not want us to live that way. He wants you to live as a son and a daughter of him, the holiest and highest king, And as we learn our main idea today that believers, guys, we're supposed to abide in God's word as true disciples to know and be set free in the truth. But unbelievers are slaves to sin as they reject the word of God. So we're going to see our fourth point and really take a lot of time here and the application of this. Again, this leads us to our last point where we know, um, again, the big idea that the truth will set you free. And so our fourth point today, we're gonna, again, we're going to linger here for a while, is that unbelievers are rejectors of the word of God. 
Okay, so Jesus says all this to then make us think about what he has just said about being set free. So look at verses 37 through 44 with me if you would. There's our bigger chunk of text. And Jesus says this in verse 37. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Well, Jesus says, yeah, I know you're physically offspring of Abraham, as am I. <laughs> Jesus didn't say because he was nice, uh, but he's like, me too. Yet you seek to kill me because, again, he says it again, my word, my logos, right? Who I am, who God really is, finds no place in you. That's scary, right? How many of us as believers, like, we say we're Christians, we say we believe, but, man, his word finds no place in us, in how we think, speak, act. In verse 38, he says, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do not, and you do what you have heard from your father. Hmm, now we have a story of two fathers. Let's remember that. They answered him, but Abraham is our father. What are you talking about? And Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, if you are really the children of Abraham, you would be, look at this, not just in your head, do, you would be doing the works. Works are not dirty word in Christianity, okay? Works are good. It's James. Faith, belief without works is dead. So what we're seeing here is that James idea. People that said they believe, but like James said, well, I don't see your works. There's no proof, that, so they're dead. He says, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. It doesn't mean you understand everything, but you know God and that you push to do the things that God has called you to do, even though he's so big and so glorious and you can't understand why this is happening or that or why this thing happened when you were a little kid or why this thing is happening right now. God says, believe in me. Really believe in me. He says, you would be, he says, if you were really Abraham's children. So this is the theological concept that the, the, the Israelites are, in a sense, God's children. He just said that physically, right? Jesus just confirmed that. So we're not saying that Jews are not God's children, but there's something spiritually happening. A lot of them are not spiritual children of God, but we are, if you know Christ. But if we knew Christ, he says in verse 39, you would be doing the works of Abraham did. What did Abraham do? You can go back to Genesis. You can go back to Paul's commentary in Romans. You know what it said he did? He believed. And really what it says in, in the, in the in, it says that he was, he was given favor or Anna or Hena in Hebrew. This word, he was given grace or favor. So he didn't even do it himself. God gave him that. But when Abraham then had the favor of God, he believed, it says in Romans, and it was credited to him. He didn't deserve it. It was credited to him as righteousness. It's like that credit card. You can just go... You didn't do anything to deserve that money, but God has just put that in your account. Even better than a credit card. It's like you had zero in your bank account and there's endless funds. That's the righteousness or the justice of God. We are people of justice. Americans, uh, even Latin Americans, we, we want justice, freedom, my rights. We bump our chest. Puerto Ricans do. We bump our chest when we play baseball. So we think we're like cool or something. But when we have this righteousness in us, but Jesus is our righteousness. Look at this verse 40. He says, you would be doing the works of Abraham. You'd be believing like Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. He's like, all I'm doing is telling you the truth that I heard from God. Jesus is the perfect example of how to be a human. And he abided in the Father. He lived in the Father like, like, like none of us ever could. But he gives us the example through the Holy Spirit. 
Because Jesus was also very human. Do we, do we remember that? He's not just like, oh, he was very human, as human as you and me. Just equally human. Yes, he was God, which makes him one God with, with uh, we would say, uh, in a sense, two natures. But he is one God. He's the God man. He was very human. He was tempted just like you and I were. It wasn't that he had this super Jesus powers. He, because he didn't have any sin, could abide in God perfectly. But God has given you that same power. Paul says you have a spirit of power and love and what? Listen, we don't like this word. Self-control. Huh? Discipline. The Greek word for that is discipline, really. Self-control. Right? Because what does a, a bad little kid do? I used to be a school teacher, and they were wiggling and woggling. And I was like, you can't teach the kid nothing until he's like, calm down, sit in your chair. A lot of times teachers forget that. You're just like, you're just like oh, he learns wiggling and wobbling. Well, that's nice um, because when you're an adult and you're wiggling and wobbling, who's going to even listen to you? Can you set a business deal but when you're wiggling and wobbling and rolling on the floor? No. Kid, you need to come here, be disciplined, have some self-control, sit down, look at me in the eyes, okay, take your pencil, do your ABCs, good. Now we can go on to more, right? So it's the same for us. We're like those little kids. We want to wiggle and a wobble and do our little thing, and God's saying, stop. Power in me, love, real love, and self-control, they go together, okay? He says, but you seek to kill me. These men obviously didn't have these attributes. They weren't believing He says, a man who has told you the truth, Jesus says in verse 40, I heard from God, this is not what what Abraham did. He said, you are doing the works that your father did. And they're like, again, he's calling, he's telling us we have a different father. Jesus is the best teacher. He continues. And the people said to him, they said to him, the Jews, we are not born of sexual immorality. Jesus is probably like, huh? They're they're either judging Mary here because they heard about Jesus' story and like, you were born out of sexual immorality. We knew something weird happened with you and your mama. So they're either judging Jesus for that and they're um, basing, again, their their righteousness on their ancestry. Well, my mama did this. My dad, do you not know our ancestors? He's saying, do you not know who we come from, Jesus? That's what they're saying. They say, we have one father, even God. Here we're going to see they have the wrong God and the wrong theology. Verse 42 continues, and Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. And he says, I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Jesus is saying, I was sent by the Father. Again, he was very human. He's saying that that you would love God if you came from God. He says, I came not because, not of his own human effort. And then verse 43, why do you not understand what I say? Jesus is saying, I'm actually saying some simple things here. And then he tells them why. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. How many people in church, like when you give them God's word, they don't want that. They want their ears tickled. Oh, I want to hear the next five best steps to be the best, better person. Or I don't want to be challenged about sin. People will run away from the church when they're called to do what God's called us to do, just like these guys in the text. Again, look at verse 43. Why do you not understand what I say, Jesus says? He tells them, it's because you cannot bear. You hate, you you can't bear to hear my word. That's strong. Verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's uh, desires. The word in Greek is lust or desires. 
And then Jesus reveals who this father is. He was a murderer from the beginning. Remember Cain and Abel? And does not stand in the truth. He does not stand in Jesus, the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Think of that, the father of lies. So who does this sound like? Jesus just said it. He's the father of lies. This is the God of the world, okay? And all other religions or ideologies. And this should um, be so obvious to us as believers, but we fall for it too. It's actually demonic and, sata- and satanic. It's a demonic and satanic lie to be led by the f- father of lies. And these were the people who knew apparently the Bible the most. And, and Jesus is saying, you don't even know your true father. You're following the father of lies. And I think Jesus could say the same thing to the church today and say the same thing to all the other religions out there. Listen to this father of lies. Who does he sound like? He sounds, again, like the God of many religions. He is. But let me give you an example of how the father of lies sounds like the God of Islam. We have a lot of Muslims in Irving. Man, and we want to reach out to them, and we want to love them, but we can't be cowards. We have to tell them our gods are not the same gods. Allah just means God in in Arabic. That's fine. Okay? Just like many people say Jesus. But we have wrong versions of Allah and wrong versions of God. And and the, the, the Muslims do. Listen to what the Quran says about the God of Islam. Which, again, would be the same God of the Jews here in the text. Interesting, right? Again, I told you he's the God of all false religions and ideologies. So the the one true enemy, and his name is Satan, he's out to deceive us all. Listen to the Quran. Uh, It's one of the few times I will read the Quran in church, but I think it's applicable, especially what's going on today in our culture. This is in the Quran. It's uh, uh, Surah 354. Listen to this. It says, Allah is the chief liar. Hmm. That's what the Quran says. Literally, it says, and they, and this is a story going on, and they cheated and deceived, and God cheated and deceived, or God lied. And God is the best, or the chief of the liars. Hmm. This is not to pick on them, but it's to call them out. It's for you to have courage to go out and not be afraid of the world, even if, like, we're called to die for the things of Christ, not to be a buckethead and not to be rude, but to have courage. It's going to mean telling people you're wrong in a loving way. And how do you do that? Not on your own strength, through the power of the Spirit. It's the only way. All the stuff going on in the world, all of it that is not from God, it is from Satan. There's no neutral ground. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus calls out his own people in the text, right? He ain't talking about Muslims. He's talking about Jews. Look at verse 44. He says, you are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's lust or desires. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. Okay? Satan is going to come and tell you lies about yourself, about your dreams, about the things you want for yourself. He's going to try to trick you. He knows you better than you know yourself. That's scary. He's been ticking living for a long time. He knows how to trick you. He knows how to lie to you because that's who, that's who his character is. God is not a liar. God tells the truth. Jesus is the truth. Look at verse 45. 
Jesus says, but because I tell you the truth. How, how many people reject Jesus and Christianity? Because we're telling the truth. Again, not our version of the truth. There's a bunch of abuse in that historically, okay? But Jesus says, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. How many times you could tell someone straight up something true and they're like, mm-mm, nope. I used to have a friend who was like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And then he would go and do the total opposite. I was like, really, dude? Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? Which one of you, to Jesus saying, you can't even say anything against me. Who can convict me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe, Jesus, please? Verse 47, and he says it again. Whoever is of God hears, receives the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them, he says, is that you are not of God. So you see, there is no other way to Jesus Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, not, not, not any other God. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the mediator for all humanity. That's why many people misunderstand who the Father is, like Jews and Muslims and Mormons, and we can keep going because they don't know the real Jesus. Jesus is the mediator. He interprets. He opens up your eyes and gives you access to the real Father. There are a lot of fake gods out there. Jesus is the truth that will set you free. Paul says this in Galatians, and I'm going to read this whole chunk to help us think. Um, Paul says that there will be people with false gospels, okay? He says this in Galatians. You can turn there with me. uh, 1, 6 through 10. So we have to be aware. We can't just do, 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 everything's fine. All, Christ, all religion's the same. Blah, blah, blah. No, that's a lie of the father of lies. That's what he wants you to think. So to know that the truth will set you free, you have to be aware of false gospels and false narratives that will deceive or trick you. That's Satan's job. That's his main job. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. And how he starts that is this foundation of lies in your heart, in your soul, the things you think about that person, the things you think about God's word, the discipline you do. I don't need to do those things. It doesn't matter. I'm free in Christ. I got grace. I can do whatever I want. I can look at this or do that or, not, or be lazy here and not really, you know, God, God saved me. I'm good. That's not how a real Christian operates. Now, you may think that, but a real believer fights through that. No, no, I love Jesus. Jesus is conforming me. He's changing me. I mean, I got to keep fighting, not because I'm something great. I actually see myself as weaker and smaller. God, I need you more and more. Help me. That's the heart. If you have no passion in you, man, I pray the Spirit wakes up the passion of God in you. In your spirit, not just an external thing like the Pharisees, but in your soul that you can be by yourself in your car at work and have this passion for Jesus. That will change your life. Not because you just have external passion, but real abiding love of Jesus. We must be aware of false gospels and narratives that deceive and can deceive or trick us. Remember, Satan is the father of lies and he'll use anything he can to trick you. These false gospels can initially seem good. And right and nice and true ideologically. Oh, yes, of course. Everybody gets to go to Jesus. Everybody gets to go to God. It's the same God. We're pointing to the same thing. No, they are not from God. They are demonic. They are straight from Satan. Listen to Paul in Galatians 6, 1 through 10. I'm sorry, Galatians 1, 6 through 10. And it warns us to not fall for this false gospel. Paul says to his believers in Galatia, this is uh, former Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, this was after the, before the Ottoman Empire, but that's where they would come from. 
I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him, God or Jesus, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So believers, we have the, the ability in our grieving of the spirit and our learning how to be, uh, abide in Jesus to kind of get tricked for a season, I think, in these false gospels where some of those people are not really saved and they just fall for it. They're like the people in our text. They believed, but they didn't really believe. They didn't repent. They're not constantly repenting and believing and growing in Christ. That's what a believer looks like. So he's, I'm astonished you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And then Paul says, not that there is another one. There's not another gospel, but there are some who trouble you. And this is the world. This is the social media. These are all the people out there. That's why you got to be plugged into a church and be hearing the word of God where the word of God is going to be taught not that there is another one or another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Guys, do you not see this as real, a real battle? I hope the events of this week, uh, read the news a little bit, don't be scared, but this is a real spiritual battle. It's not just about us and our lives and our bank accounts and our marriages and our families. That's fine. That stuff's good. But there's more to life than that, than your desire, than your will. God is calling us to something else. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you. People want to seek, kill, and destroy you and distort and trick you, distort the gospel of Christ. But, even, Paul, but Paul says this, but listen, but even if we, even if the apostles or a spiritual leader or an angel from heaven, okay, now, he said, should preach to you a, a, a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed, don't be, you don't have to be winsome and nigh. No, man, that is, that's something that's heavy. Let them be accursed. Doesn't mean you can't minister gospel, okay, or share with unbelievers or Mormons or Muslims or Hindu. No, that's not what he's saying. But there is a curse on them, and you can be tricked into that, into believing all roads lead to Jesus, and it's fake. It's false. Verse 9, Paul says, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. For Paul says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? That's the question. Am I trying to please man and be winsome and nice and everybody loves me and yay? Like, that's not how a Christian rolls. That's not how Jesus rolls. Doesn't mean you have to be a jerk, okay? No, but you have to have courage. God is saying, have courage. Be a man. Be a woman. Don't fall for the lie of the culture that makes you a weak people pleaser. But a, be a humble and be confident in Jesus. And that might look like, man, I don't know everything, but I know, I know Jesus is the way. Let me tell you my story. Paul says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant or a slave of Christ. And so Paul talks about this angel from heaven. Again, if you know uh, Islam, the angel Gabriel came to Muhammad about 600 or so, almost 700 years after Jesus, and, they, and he says, Muhammad did a bunch of crazy things, evil things, and, and then he says, at 600 years after Christ, oh, the angel Gabriel told me, and, and he probably did, something probably did appear to Muhammad. I, I guarantee you it did. It was a demon, and it said, set up this new religion to then be against 
Christianity. It's a lie. Same thing. I used to live in Utah. Same thing happened in the 1800s, 1850. Joseph Smith, this man, he was a businessman. He got these, this revelation from the angel Moroni. I said, yeah, he was a Moroni. He got from angel Moroni. Angel Moroni deceived Joseph Smith, and they built this whole big old thing. Utah used to live there. It's an awesome place. You can leave your door open. It's like Pleasantville. People are so nice. Man, it's awesome. But it's a spiritually dark place. And they fell for the angel Moroni and angel Gabriel. Those weren't the real angels. You know, demons can uh, come in different forms and lie. That's what they do. So like Paul, man, let's be aware. Let's be servants or like the Greek says, a slaves of Christ. That's a biblical term. Not a slave of sin. Not a slave of the world or our own flesh. But let's believe the gospel of Christ. Don't fall or believe false gospels. Don't fall for false stories and narratives that your heart, the world, and Satan want you to love. So think with me for a second. What false stories are you believing? What other gospels are you believing? Do you know the true gospel? Maybe you're believing the story of the prosperity gospel where there is no suffering or taking up your cross as a believer. And you're just going to be wealthy and rich and everything's going to be great. Maybe you're believing in the false story of riches and money and financial security. Maybe you're believing the gospel or the story about you getting what you want. And, man, I deserve this or I've done this. It sounds like the story of a complaining little baby or child, right? Honestly, we get mad at our kids for that. Do you want to know the true gospel or are you loving the world too much? Does Satan have his claws deep in your soul, deep in your brain, just stuck in there? Are you trying to please your bosses, your friends? I'm not saying don't be a good employee, but are you trying to be a man pleaser and please them, your, your bosses, your friends, your family in, in a cowardly way by bending the rules to follow your false gospel story? And are you imposing legalism like the Jews did here on other believers and saying that you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that and you yourself can't keep the law? Are you letting your children run your household? When you are the parents that should be leading them and in, in, in running the household, guys, are there any empty philosophies you are believing? Do you think you're smarter than God and that you can write a better story than God? God, why did you do that? Why, man, I would have done it this way. You're, you're not really loving God. Are you doing that? Is your soul doing that? Do you think you can write a better story than God? The answer is you can't, okay? Do you believe the pointless philosophies and opinions of man over God's? Do you believe your own reason and man's own reason over the truth that frees us from our that, that frees us to live in the power of our holy supernatural God and the gospel of Christ? Friends and family, what lies of Satan, the world, and your own flesh have made you doubt the gospel of Christ today? Are you adding to the gospel of Christ or taking away from it? Have you ever really believed the true gospel of Jesus? Or are you now living in a false gospel story and you don't even realize it? And I would encourage you to turn to our king or redeemer. You know, we all do this in a sense. We all lose heart. Paul says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Turn to Jesus, the one who calls us friend and brother and sister. Turn to him. Believe in him and the true gospel of Christ. Don't believe a different gospel. There is only one true gospel in Christ through the true father, uh, the father of truth who has given us his spirit so we can truly be set free and live no matter what comes our way. If it's war, hard times, good times, 
peace times. We don't live or abide in those things, guys, but rather in Christ and his ultimate freedom no matter what comes. And in all the tension in the world today, there is an actual true spiritual battle when we are in it. And brothers and sisters, I encourage you, be ready to fight, to put on the full armor of God and fight. Some of you may, as soon in 2010, I don't know, some of you young guys and gals may have to actually go to physical war. I already went, so they, they, I'm worthless. <laughs> but some of you may have to go physically fight. That might scare you. I don't know. But more than that, guys, we are in a spiritual battle. Okay? War is a metaphor for what's happening internally in, in, in the world that we can't see. There is a great deception that has happened in America and the world for years that our version of freedom is God's version of freedom, and that is just not true. We are not promised an easy life in Christ. No. Now, life in Christ can, guys, and it should be joyful and wonderful, but there is a cost to following Christ in this life if you are truly his child. And there will be pain and struggle and confusion and doubt and the temptation to just lose heart and want to quit and, and stop. And you will encounter people and demonic forces who will persecute you and accuse you falsely and not understand you just like they did to Jesus. And if it has not happened to you yet, wait, because the older and more mature you, you are in Christ, and the longer you live and, and persevere to the end in this life as a true disciple of Christ, persecution will come. The world hates Jesus, and it will hate you, it says in John 15, 18 through 23. Listen to what Jesus says. He said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as your own. But because you are not of the world, it says, but I chose you out of the world. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. Jesus says, verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, the word, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. This is norm normal speak for a Christian. If they kept my word, he's saying, as a record to accuse me, they will also keep your word. They're going to remember what you say, and they're going to use it against you, just like they did to me. But all these things they will do on account of my name because they know, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. Jesus is, he's not playing. This is serious stuff. You see, family and friends, we're not promised America's version of freedom. Although we enjoy it now, it's fine. But we're not promised this. We're not promised the world's version of freedom or Mormonism's version of freedom or Islam's version of freedom or Hindu's the, uh, version of freedom or any other religion or ideology out there that tells us this is true freedom. We're not promised any of that. No, as sons of God, we are only promised the freedom of Christ based on his truth. And only the truth of Christ will set you free. He allows us to see himself as the true God and not the false versions of God that the world and Satan calls us to see. So open your eyes. Say, Spirit, open my heart. Open my eyes. Friends and family, you're in a spiritual battle, and God is calling us to stop playing games and worrying about the pointless, vain things in and of the world. But rather, let's come to him and be about his kingdom. Let's look at the last two verses. 
And I pray Jesus' words truly challenge you to, to consider where you are in your relationship to Christ today. Jesus says in verse 45 through 47, Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. Which of you convicts me of sin? I tell you the truth, why do you not believe in me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason why you do not hear or receive them is that you are not of God. So many of us just keep rejecting God's obvious truth. Is this not what our culture has done? God has certain standards and commands, and we reject them. That's what our fourth point is teaching, because we love the stench of sin more than the sweet aroma of Christ. And as our fourth point teaches, that unbelievers are rejectors of the word of God. And so, have you been rejecting God's word? Just be honest. Like, in your life, how have you been observing the word of God? And how are the people around you, are they rejectors of God too? Because that's going to affect you. Again, we're in the world, but not of the world, okay? How will we see his gospel story historically and how it's impacting our world and us right now? We need to know this true gospel story that sets us free, that Jesus came and he was perfect and he created from the beginning. The spirit was there. The father was there. And there's this perfect story, this perfect history, this perfect plan. And then the fall came. The fall was intentional. God wasn't caught off guard. It was intentional so that we would see that we are broken and that we need him and that, that we are weaker than we thought and in our Americanness and our, and our culture and all that would get crushed in front of God. And, it, and God took all our pride, all our sin. The Father put that on Jesus on the cross. That's what he died for. Not just dying physically on a cross, yes and amen, but he took on the anger or the wrath of God because God hates sin, because God is true justice and because God is truly just. Christ absorbed that, and he who knew no sin, he who knew nothing about sin, man, he absorbed it, or he became sin. He, he became the atonement or the covering for us, alluding to his blood, and he covered us. The Bible says, why? So that we can repent and believe, so that we could be set free, so that we could actually see the true God and be able to see through the lies of the, the father of lies. You, as sons of God, now can see through the lie. Because of what Christ did. You can see Satan's darts, his fiery arrows coming at you. You can say, God, help me. I'm putting on the form of God. I'm going to fight. Spirit, help me. Bring your spiritual forces, your angels to protect me. Protect me, God. I don't know what I'm doing. Help me. Help me fight. And Christ will fight. It's a spiritual battle. And God has called us to fight spiritually here. We don't neglect the flesh. It's connected, right? And because Christ was both, we abide in Christ in both with our physical, the disciplines, the things we eat, the things we say, the exercise we do, the things we watch. Because it's a spiritual battle. It's a transformation of the mind. Paul would say, Jesus would say, and then we have freedom in Christ because he didn't stay dead. He rose. He lived again, and he promised that he's coming back. And all those injustices, he will set right, guys. No more pain. No more tears. No more suffering. And so to conclude, God has called us to know this gospel, to repent and believe, to turn away from sin and Satan, the father of lies, and to turn in true freedom to Christ and his kingdom, to true faith, that faith in our text is belief. It said many believed, they believed falsely. True, true belief in Christ is turning away from sin and believing or having faith, the same idea in the Greek. Another good word is allegiance. Man, I'm, I'm God's and God is mine in that sense. He saved me, he's called me. And then we can have true freedom in Christ. And so to summarize, and I know we've gone a little long today, and I'm sorry. But he is the truth. And as the truth, he will give you true life 
to live and be set free. And so to summarize, we learned firstly that believers are to abide in God's word as true disciples. So consider how you're abiding. Stop abiding I mean, start, stop abiding in the world and start abiding in Christ every day. Know his word, know Jesus, the living word, know the scriptures, the written word, and know the gospel, the proclaimed word. The word of God is also a a multi-layered thing. Pray to him, our holy God, every day who can truly set you free. Fall on your face before him and give your whole heart and devotion and turn away from anything that would rob that devotion of God from you. Secondly, we learn that believers are to know and be set free in the truth. So how do you know and live set free in the truth? Stop getting truth from yourselves and the inner voices and from the world and demonic voices. We have to stop that. Read God's word. Read the Bible daily. Meditate on it. The Bible doesn't say read me every day, but it does say meditate on me every day. So read the Bible daily. Hear God's voice. It will change you, and it will change your life if you truly know God. Thirdly, we learn that unbelievers are slaves to sin. So are you a slave to sin? Be honest. And what people around you do you know are slaves to sin? Stop hanging around them. Stop being a slave to sin. Just stop practicing. Fall on your face before God if you are not a believer and say, change me. How? And if you're a believer that's struggling, how? Pray to God. Fall on your face desperately. He has called you to stop living in fear, but rather to live in, to have true life through the Holy Spirit and power, love, and self-control or that discipline we talked about. This is how you fight sin. If you know him, if you know his truth, it will be constantly changing you to hate sin more and more and be like Jesus. Don't be allured by sin's lies and trappings. And so then, as you are in a spiritual battle, God has given you this body and mind. I say this loving, I say it to me, stop being lazy and fight sin proactively in your life physically by being disciplined and protecting your mind and body from Satan's lies. You can pray to God right now, and he will give you a a clear path and a clear way to fight sin. I pray. Pray that as we respond. Most of us won't act because we, we, we are crippled with fear. But God's word says God's perfect love casts out fear. So don't fear. Don't lose heart, sweet brothers and sisters. With God's love, we can be truly set free. We can walk in him. We can repent and believe. We can grow in Christ, and we can fight um, until the very end. And so fight. And we, we, we will all die one day. But God is calling us to see how great he is and how without him our hearts are so wicked that we need him more and more every day. And then you will have freedom. You will be free when you abide in him, when you really abide and know your purpose to love God, love people, and make disciples of all nations for your glory, for for God's glory. That's why that's our mission statement. It's not just a thing we say. And then lastly, we learned unbelievers are rejectors of the word of God. So have you been rejecting God's word? How are people around you rejecting God's word? Again, don't be lazy or like the world. We must love Jesus, the logos, the living word, the scriptures, the written word, and his true gospel, the proclaimed word, because it will actually set you free. If you are struggling here, just read. (laughs) Read the gospel of John and pray. Read a chapter a day. That's why we're going through John. We do it in group. We go through John again. We review the last two sermons. You don't have to be overwhelmed by God's word. Just love it. Be in it. We are, again, going over John. Um... For time's sake, I'm not going to share this little acronym, but I'll, I'll share it real quickly. There's an acronym that helps you meditate on the scriptures. You want to start when you pray. When you, it's the whole thing is about God's word and abiding in it. So when you come to God's word, pray. Say, God, I'm a buckethead. Without you, I can understand. Illuminate my mind to understand your word. And when you do that, 
then just follow this little acronym, SOAP. It's not perfect, but it'll help you, okay? S-O-A-P, okay? Scripture, just open a scripture. Read John, read it over and over and meditate on it. It's like, I don't understand it. Just read it and enjoy it. Then observe it. Look at the text. See what's in the text. Not what you want it to say, but what, what is the context saying about this and what are the principles or the truths that you can draw from this text? Um, find those principles or truths. God is good. God says I should be free. God says I should not practice sin. Okay? Then apply that. This is where the, the Spirit comes in on all this, but Spirit, how... After reading and observing, ask God to apply this in your life and ask God how he will change you in how you will be obedient to what his word is calling you to do. That's how you apply it. And then pray. It's all prayer really mixed in, but land praying to the holy God to change your mind, your body, your heart, to apply what you learned as you internalize and meditate in your brain, in your heart, in your soul, and practice what you learn. And we're going to end here because as we learn today, man, it's abiding in God's word. Believers are to abide in God's word. That's how, that's how the whole thing starts. As true disciples, to know and be set free in the truth. But unbelievers are slaves to sin and they reject the word of God. So let's live as believers who abide in God's word. Starts with the little things. As true disciples, to know and be set free in the truth that only our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit can give. Let's pray.